I'm Henry Lin. I'm Madeline Wallace. And welcome to Better World. Better World is an exploration of badass people doing really cool things. The more we know about the world, the better we can do in changing it. Yes. And today we are joined by Vanessa of Another Tomorrow. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Guys, we talk a lot about the 10.5 million tons that go into the landfills every year. Tons of clothes. Tons of textiles. <laughs> tons of textiles. Tons of, tons of everything tons but of textiles. Tons of great attitudes. We should have recycled those. Oh. Unfortunate. Nope. Not getting nope. that one either. <laughs> okay. I'm on a personal journey to be a better man, and Madeline Wallace has decided to tase me with no laughter until I make funnier, less bro-y dad jokes. She's talked about a shock collar. That might occur. We're going to look. She just lit up like a Christmas tree at the mention of that. Let's give her a taser, people. We have been discussing uh, with companies like Nadam, uh, the sustainable cashmere company, sustainable alternatives to fashion. Uh, the challenge is that creating cotton garments require ridiculous amounts of water and resources. Uh, denim is one of the greatest perpetrators as well. And... Too much is wasted. So we're not keeping enough, we're not buying sustainably, and we're certainly not recycling and reusing. We need good, sustainable products that are being made that will last a very long time. So, here with us today is a great, great woman about to lecture the crap out of me on everything that is wrong with fashion. Yes, go. You have 45 minutes nonstop. Everything that's wrong with fashion, Yeah, go. Lean in. Yeah. Where to start? Yeah. Um, the top. Well, I'll start with the fact that it's really opaque. And I think that mm. that is the biggest problem. So, you mean opaque as in we can't see where it's produced. We can't see what is produced. We can't see Totally. How. Brands don't want to tell the people. And it's really complex. Yeah. It's really, really complex. And I have a whole new appreciation for that having now, having now done it. But, you know, I really came to this because I spent 15 years in finance focused on emerging markets, and I was really focused on shifting my energy in, in a different direction, what I thought would be sustainable finance. And I took six months off and I thought, before I do this, I really want to understand the root causes of this whole big mess that we got ourselves in. And I don't mean specifically fashion. I was really looking at an industry by industry basis. Sustainable finance being the funding and supporting of businesses who are effectively changing the planet. Yes. And doing so through a lens of the environment, of um, social issues, and of governments. So right. ESG. And not just, mm-hmm. uh, right, ESG, not just uh, renewables or companies totally. directly focused, alternative companies. Exactly. So that was what my game plan was. And then I started looking at individual industries. And some of the ones that are relatively straightforward are those like the energy industry in terms of really understanding what the impact is on the planet. Um, but when I got to fashion, I basically fell down this massive rabbit hole and just it's kept dark. going. It's really dark. Super dark. Mm-hmm. And you go a little bit and then you go a little bit further and a little bit further. And I was... Uh, I was... fell down the same K-hole. You did. <laughs> I think that's a different hole, but okay. Also fair. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, no, I was I was shocked. Um, I was upset with myself because I felt like there were other elements of my life that I was living really intentionally and, you know, outside of the labor issues that had been front page for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wasn't that well educated on the issues um, behind fashion. And I was heartbroken by um, the animal welfare issues in the industry, mm-hmm. by the sheer amount of waste, um, by the level of toxicity caused by the textile industry. Right. Um, by even really basic things that I didn't know, like how silk was made. Mm-hmm. So um, 
you know, once I was reasonably well educated, I thought I was reasonably well educated, which was not easy to do given the complexity. No, super hard, right? Super hard. Yeah. Not a lot of consumer facing information. Right. Um, I just thought, okay, I'm going to start buying more thoughtfully. I did not anticipate this being a major career change. And I found it so hard. So even on a sabbatical, it's, legitimately not easy. it's ridiculous. I was like, I'm on a sabbatical and even I'm going crazy spending like three hours researching a t-shirt. Like this was clearly not. Yeah. <laughs> not put the t-shirt down. Put the yeah. t-shirt down. Put the internet down. Yeah. Um, and so I was really motivated to be a part of the solution. It was just this whole set of knowledge that I felt like I couldn't unknow. Um, right. And I initially thought, you know, the last thing I want to do is start a brand, both because, you know, the, from a finance perspective, it's a really tough industry and you don't necessarily think about solving a problem by putting more stuff out there. Right. Um, but it was really clear that there was an opportunity um, to have that consumer relationship that brands, I think, uniquely have to educate, to provide values aligned product, and ultimately also to create um, an avenue for action as well, especially right. on regulatory change that I think is super critical for the industry. So that is how Another Tomorrow was born. Mm. Amazing. And what do you guys produce? So we are an end-to-end -end, uh, sustainable direct-to-consumer luxury brand. And I kind of hate to use the word luxury, but I say it because I think it um, articulates a quality level that I think is really critical to solving the sustainability challenge and really creating products with a really long life cycle. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And it's women's wear. Nice. You are phenomenally dressed. We should note that. Thank you so much. Yes. Like your digs. Thank you. Mm -hmm. These are these are another tomorrow digs. Ooh, largely, okay. largely, I need, largely. I need. I need. I can help with that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm speaking at Cornell next week, and I need a slight suit. pitch. Oh Subtle. my gosh! I went to Subtle. Cornell. You went to Cornell. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm throwing up. <laughs> I love it. <sighs> okay. Actually, this is the synergy that I live for. So yeah. I don't know who I'm kidding. Yeah. Somebody woke up on the wrong side. Oh my god. And if you get yes. one, there's yes. this fabulous QR code on the care mm -hmm. label, and you can show everyone everywhere it's made. Oh, the whole provenance um, of the garment. Okay. So, this anyway, is party tricks. Important. We have to do this. Okay. We'll do this. Time out. Yeah. Rewind. We're going to take a commercial break and come <laughs> back immediately to garment provenance. Okay. That's the Super sexiest chic. thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And Maddie's my co-host. Dead silence, people. Dead silence. No, we're just testing our boundaries. It's fine. Done. I'm going to fail. Face plant. If anyone needs me, I'll be crying in the corner. Today's episode of Better World, self-servingly enough, is been brought to you by Better World. Wow. Yeah, right, I know. I know. This pre-recording's rough today. <laughs> Betterworld.media. Come check us out on the World Wide Web because we have decided to make commitments to helping each and every one of the brands that is on Better World. We have opened up a marketplace which will link you to the products that are featured on our podcast. We want to help educate the consumer on the alternatives. For every net bad company that you think about using, whether or not it's in your bathroom or in your closet, or perhaps just randomly in your day-to-day, -day, there is an alternative. Check us out. Blue Land's up there, package-free, in a dumb, some of our favorites. Betterworld.media. Scroll down, click on the marketplace. You might also notice that we've got some agroforestry products. Take a look at those too, people. Trying to train farmers away from cows and soy to cacao and coffee. Save the forest. Betterworld.media. And we are back from my pre-recorded commercial, which never gets any ridicule from Maddie because they're just so great. Dead silence, people. We're going to have to suffer through this together. Garment provenance. Provenance, Provence, 
provenance? The history of the garment and where it's made and, and, and how it's made, usually um, res, uh, reserved for art and for wine. Can you tell me a little bit about where your garments are made? Yes, I, can, I definitely can. So this whole idea of provenance was basically an accident, and it came out of having to do the work and then wanting to really share that journey. And so one of the first things that happened when we really dug into starting the company was trying to understand what was going on at the farm level, because sustainability is mm. such a truly local phenomenon. And, you know, I thought wool was like, you know, fluffy little sheep gets a haircut. Mm. <laughs> it's like really cute and animated. Was, yeah, you know, kind of. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and that is apparently not the case. So the majority of merino wool comes from Australia, and the majority of merino wool that comes from Australia comes from animals that are mules, which is gross and involves pain to the animal and something I was really not on board with. Mm -hmm. um, and the last thing I did was, or last thing I wanted to do was start a sustainable fashion company only to support um, industrial agricultural practices that I really deeply did not agree with. Sustainable, not right. either. Yeah. Thank you. Not, and, and I think that I, you know, I think about sustainability and ethics as being linked, but somewhat distinct. And this one I think falls like largely in the camp of ethics. Mm -hmm. So um, long story short, we found two farms that we felt really good about um, in Tasmania, in this little ethical farming uh, community in Tasmania, and we buy wool directly from them. And then it goes on a boat from Tasmania to Italy, where we have a couple of mills that work with us on custom fabrics, and they do all the right things in terms of chemicals and wastewater. And then they are manufactured into garments also in Italy, where everyone has been uh, checked and we know them and they paid living wages. And then those garments come to the U.S. And so our QR code on the care label, uh, which is something that we developed in partnership with a company called Everything, which is this Internet of Things, um, incredibly innovative company. And that delivers the information to the customer of everywhere that the garment um, has been. Amazing. And how it ties back to our values as a company and some of the reasons why we think the average person should care. Amazing. So badass. Love it. Thank you. We really yeah. love it, too. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the other use case uh, is for resale. So that's another big part of the business model for us. And so um, it will help us once we launch that officially in a year um, to facilitate the resale of the garments to extend their life cycle. That Amazing. is also very cool. Thank you. Wow. Very cool. What a circular situation that is. A it is a circular a situation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And also to have like a visual sort of map of everywhere the garment's been. Yeah. I think like so many times I've run on a website like this garment was made in this country and I'm like, great. But also like I want to see it, you know, I want to see it traveling and feel connected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a difficult thing to do, though. Like it's a lot easier when you're starting time. from a clean slate. Mm, yes, yeah. exactly. Always harder to circularize your production when you're an existing brand or whatever totally. so you started from which also is not cheap at all no it's kind of a killer and i yeah. think there are a lot of hidden costs to it as well i think the biggest one for us is just this is going to be a little geeky perhaps but mm -hmm. um just the working capital cycle because we're right. basically buying raw materials way before anyone else would even be paying for fabric mm. and so that's something you have to be really cautious about in terms of business model the additional sustainable materials that you guys get, where do you get um, them from? What's the what's the process? Tell us a little bit yeah. about what you do versus what is broken, because I do love touching on the cotton conversation. Oh, yeah. Mm. So, you know, I think that this whole experience with wool for us, we were like, wow, how incredible is it to have that farm level relationship? 
And so that became the cornerstone of our sourcing policy. It's like, how close can we just get to the raw material source? Um, so the organic cotton t-shirt that I'm wearing right now um, is sourced, the raw cotton is sourced from three farms in Texas and New Mexico in the States. Very nice. So, you know, that's great. You get to show up, have a relationship. Yeah, also made in the USA, bro. The cotton. Okay. The t-shirt's made in Portugal, full disclosure. Ooh, so, um, <laughs> so, um, but that was, you know, that was actually a, a big part of that was living wages and paying yeah. living wages as a small brand in the States. There isn't the kind of infrastructure that you would really hope for or interest sometimes. And I've really come to respect the regulatory framework in Europe for supporting that. So, yeah. The fabric is made in Portugal, um, ultimately, and the T-shirt is manufactured very close to there. Nice. I have a quick question about regenerative agriculture practices. Because oh, yes. um, when I think about wool, I just think like, ding, carbon farming. So what, yeah. was that part of the process? or Yeah, so that's a, so that's super interesting. So I think the, the intensity of the grazing is a big issue. Mm -hmm. um, the yeah. methane is obviously a big issue. Right. Um, there's an interesting side effect of our own sourcing practices. So like our gold standard is that you never um, kill the sheep. You allow the sheep to live its entire lifespan. Yeah. One of our farms is totally there, which is super unique, kind of needle in the haystack. That is so unique. Yeah. Really, really unique. Because yeah. normally they kill the animal age six or seven, yeah. which is about half its normal lifespan. And then our other farm um, we brought on because they were willing to pivot in that direction. But the cool thing that happens is that in order to make that viable, you basically have to have a lot, many fewer sheep on the land because the quality of what they eat yeah. has to be really, really, really high quality. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is the intensity of the farming goes down by about half. Mm. So you have about mm -hmm. half as many sheep on the land. Um, when you're grazing that way, you actually start to sequester carbon in the soil in a much more appropriate manner. Yeah. Uh, and you have fewer sheep. So Right, it's balanced. You don't go yeah. to uh, the nutrient deficient problem that you normally have when exactly. you overgraze. Exactly. Exactly. And and it's actually that level of nutrient in um in what the sheep are eating is what allows the 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 wool quality to be maintained over the course mm -hmm. of the life of the sheep. Right. So it's so all it's a, a holistic cycle, right? system. And this was really figured out by this phenomenal woman Nan Bray, um, who was a former marine scientist and then What's became her name? a Nan Bray. B-R-A-Y. She's fabulous. Force of nature. Mm, literally. Literally. Okay. And uh, you just committed to writing a blog post piece about this because it's so fascinating. Oh, God. And we're going to shamelessly post it. <sighs> I can do that for you, though. See? It worked that time. Yeah, because you force people to do it. And then, you know. <laughs> and I'm obsessed I'm with like sheep. Industry. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I also have to say, like, from an ethics standpoint, you know, we talk about regenerative agriculture and carbon farming and wool and everything. But I know they are ethics and sustainability are, you know, there are significant sort of differences um, that that distinguish them, but they are connected. And I totally. think that to have a luxury brand that is thinking sustainably and ethically as someone who's vegan, but who wants to support, you know, these kinds of practices because natural fibers are the way, this is great. Thank you. It's, Thank you. It's, yeah, You're a little really niche thing. really good at thing. this whole podcast thing, Maddie. I'm really into it. Silence again. Good news, though. We have to take another commercial break. <laughs> oh, man. Filling the sound. I'm filling the sound. Filling you, the you, maybe sound. I shouldn't do that because now you're filling the sound with more ridiculous... Jokes you, that are coming out of your mouth. Do maybe, you think that maybe... I'm unbearable or <laughs> is it just... Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, let's just get into it. Go, Henry. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, we have good news. The good news is that we don't have the sound of silence. Better cut that wow. before. Wow. <laughs> wow. That was a good one. Okay, I get that one. That was great. This episode of Better World is actually sponsored by um, unofficially a company that we believe in tremendously. JetBlue. JetBlue has been part of uh, a refitting uh, and a retooling of its processes, planes, um, and fuels to reduce their carbon footprint tremendously. While electric planes are being developed and may end up being about 20% slower, whoops, there are a number of initiatives that JetBlue is doing to make the skies cleaner. We encourage you guys to go on to JetBlue.com and check them out. We are doing a summit, uh, an eco-summit in El Salvador, and are likely, one way or another, going to be flying with JetBlue. Because we believe. So, shout out JetBlue. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate all the work you're doing. Keep doing that green thing. And we're back. And I have to say that it is really, really great to be surrounded by so many awesome fashionistas doing fashion things. And Maddie... I think you would look really, really great in that jacket. I need the jacket. On I need our it. March 12th dinner. And oh, we should yes. get Lauren one too. Wait, who's Warren? Lauren Singer. Patrick. Oh, Lauren. I thought who's, you said Warren. Warren. Warren definitely <laughs> needs a coat. Lauren. Lauren and I a need one for Warren. sure. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all connected people. Yeah. Lauren's like the queen of the power suit, uh, it's no power joke. skirt suit. Of the power everything. I need to get on her level. You do. I'm like all vintage, everything's great, but I need to like up my working professional. We got you're, you covered. Thank you. You're a blue jean baby LA lady and she's the boss man. <laughs> right. She's boss woman, but yes, mm-hmm. whatever. I'll challenge that one. I will not. I think I think man is a gender neutral term. I've been saying that about guys too. It hasn't been going okay, over. Okay, I will call I will call you uh girly from now on and let's see how gender you call me girly all the time right that's my favorite thing to call you okay anyway getting back to our amazing robust combo about it's a deep combo yeah it's a deep combo i think our listeners are ready though because we've talked about sustainability and fashion a bunch of times before and like now we can get into still buys new it is a fact and so we well, do love yeah. to cover these in different categories, but the yeah. fact that it's being done in luxury now yeah. is a real revolution. Seriously. I spoke with some folks over at the Row mm. uh, back in, oof, it must have been a year and change ago, and they were discussing the fact that the majority of fabrics just weren't sustainable, and the industry hadn't gotten to the place where the look, the feel, the everything, the quality was was not there. The fact that you guys have begun to crack this code through what is ultimately a combination of many different things is super fascinating to me. So the last remaining question on this, I think, is uh, a look into your, your your social processes in how you develop the fabrics themselves. So how are uh, how are the team in uh, in in Lisbon doing? In They're great. They're great. So yeah. So for us. Paying a living wage was absolutely critical, non-negotiable. And as I mentioned, we thought that we'd be able to do more manufacturing on that level here in the States, and that proved super challenging. So um, Europe has had the enabling architecture to do that, and it also has the proximity to where our fabrics are made. So that's fantastic. So 
Yeah, we we have gone, showed up, audited everyone, checked pay stubs, and uh, we checked that against two different living wage benchmarks um, that are down to like the regional level because you can't just look at a com- at a country. Obviously, a living wage in New York City is quite different from a living wage in Iowa, having lived both places. Mm. Um, so that's that's what we do, and it's really about having partnerships and having relationships and caring and working with factories and manufacturers who who care deeply. So. Yeah, we feel we feel really good yeah. about it. Am I jumping the gun if I ask you where the heck do I buy these products? Are you in stores <laughs> yet? Or are you just website so direct to consumer? We are direct to consumer, another okay. tomorrow.co. Okay. And also starting in March, we are working with Matches Fashion. So oh. you can find us on both places. Cool. Win win. Win win. Win win. Win win. win, win. I would love to take a deep dive into some of the things that you do after having done all of the analysis across the board in all these different industries on the financial side uh, to be more sustainable and where you think fashion's going. So mm. I'd love to tailor it down ultimately to a couple of suggestions for the consumer, but I really did just want to open up the conversation to see what you think about some of the trends uh, and some of the behavioral patterns that you support. Sure. I think the biggest one is just less is more. Yes. Um, so I get questions all the time of like, you know, what do you buy differently? And, you know, what do you buy instead of that? And I think the reality is it's just, doing a lot less of everything you used to do. Washing towels less, not washing your denim unless you absolutely have to. Right. Um, yeah, walking. I haven't washed these jeans in three years, guys. Tight. <laughs> it's kind of working for those jeans, <laughs> you know? So I think um, I think genuinely it's amazing how little you actually need. Um, and it's amazing how, shoot, how few shortcuts you actually require um, if you just think about it. So that to me is is the biggest thing. It's not like buying this better version of that necessarily. I think you start right. with just doing less. So that's critical. And then I think from a, like a what what can you do perspective, I think asking questions of companies is critical. So, you know, the ones that I would say are, you know, do you pay a living wage? I think that is a very binary fantastic question that any individual you can like ask going any straight into that customer service and you like hitting them up and saying, "Hey." Yeah. Yeah, totally. And they might not know the answer, but they're definitely yeah. going to convey the question. I think that's really critical. Yep. So the um, asking of the question itself, you think, so is important. very important. Right? So, 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 so I'd like to take a moment to focus on that. The direct outreach that you have to the brands that you purchase from or are thinking about purchasing from, yeah. never mind if you're a customer, is important. Yeah. And they want that, too. And yeah, they like, want to know what you care about. I do it all the time. I like reach out to brands that I like their shampoo, but I'm like, you don't have this in a solid form. My hair really likes it. Can you please develop this, you know, or something? It's like we have more power as consumers, I think. Yeah, they and really listen. They, and it yeah. empowers the advocates inside of companies to be able to say, our customers care about this. Right. So I think that's really critical. Um, I think asking where things come from, um, all the time I see stuff online where it just says like imported, imported from where? Like that is like the starting, <laughs> the starting I point. Imported. Um, but even just, I don't know, if you see like a viscose shirt, it's like, well, that comes from wood pulp. What forest and like what standards? So just where where do things come from? How do you treat your people? And then um, buying less and buying higher quality. So thinking about everything you buy um, as an asset. And I think that right, really as feeds. a long-term investment. Yeah, as a long-term yeah. investment. And I think that is what is so positive about how consumer attitudes have shifted over the past really year to, to two years. I think that sea change is just amazing. And in some of the other industries, I mean, because it's clear that you have an interest in regenerative farming, um, what are the, the trends that you are seeing and the things that uh, you support in your everyday life? 
from a, I mean, from a food perspective, certainly shifting to plant-based. Um, I think it's, I think that's really critical, um, you know, doing that in, in a healthful way. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's probably the biggest right. piece from, from my standpoint. I think, you know, other aspects really require more regulatory change. So like I have an electric car, but would have really loved to have driven it to Montreal a few weeks ago and can't quite get there yet. Right. So, yeah. so I think advocating for regulatory change and the infrastructure that we really require, I think is super critical. The too. question that I asked was really a lead in because I see you now as a figurehead in a community that is starting to emerge quite heavily. Uh, Maddie is a, I believe you were a panelist at 1.2, but uh, the Arcadia Earth event that you guys just did mm -hmm. on sustainable fashion. Yeah. So it was Zero oh, Waste yeah. Annual. Yeah. So I see um, a number of these uh, really, really awesome events, um, a lot of speakers, a lot of people getting to the core of the matter of what we have to do with fashion. Shout out to the Vintage Twin, of course, and Samantha. Uh, what I'm interested to know in now this, this ethos that you have that stretches not only outside of fashion, but into who you are and in your DNA as a person, as a role model in the same way that Maddie and Anne Therese from Role Models and Lauren Singer from Package Free are all these awesome role models. Um, how are you getting this message, driving this message? Because it feels like with this garment, you're, every person who buys becomes an ambassador to your message to an extent. Totally. Absolutely. Check out my QR code. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple and it's, and it's personal and it creates a connection that I think is so critical and it really empowers people. So it empowers people. Yeah, definitely. The tirade against greenwashing. We are all, we can all be like individual anti-greenwashing advocates. So can we look forward to your TED talk? <laughs> Certainly hope so. Yes. I'll nominate I'm you. looking forward. Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much for what um, was, of course, a very, very important conversation. Last but not least, uh, add another tomorrow. On Insta? Indeed. Okay. There we are. Another tomorrow. And another tomorrow.co. Correct. Okay. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. It's been yeah, a pleasure. Thank you so much. I knew that off the top of my head because I was checking out jackets for you, Matt. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Shopping like a good I was going to say, good. you haven't like done one of your jokes since our second commercial break and it was so refreshing. Yeah. It was so nice. I was like, what's happening? Why am I feeling so great? Because yeah. he was shopping. <laughs> yeah, he was shopping nice. for me. And now I have to give you the credit. Okay. Thank you again, Vanessa. My pleasure. Vanessa, you Thank rock. you for dealing with us. I'm Henry Lynn. I am Madeline Wallace. And this has been Better World. Come back next time to hear more about what you can do to change the world. And until then, shop sustainably, people. Yes. And less. Much less. <laughs>